0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: You want to replay the point? Okay. Mr. Mavrinka wants to replay the point. Fifteen on.
0: The Point today is Wednesday, July 19th, 2017. Pete Zebron of Tennis Acumen joined by Karen Helf of Tennis View Magazine. Good evening, Karen.
1: Hi, Pete. Greetings from New York.
0: Absolutely. Good to have you back stateside, although I'm sure you thoroughly enjoyed your time, uh, obviously, in Europe taking in uh, quite a bit of tennis. And, uh, you know, as it turns out, a lot of what you saw at the Queens Club was uh, – interestingly uh, a precursor to uh, what happened at Wimbledon, although um, hardly the case for Garbina Muguruza, who managed to win only one game at Eastbourne, but then uh, turned it around and and won Wimbledon with an absolutely stunning performance.
1: Yeah, she sure did. And, and, you know, I think also maybe got the monkey off of her back. You know, everyone's been asking Mm -hmm. since she – won the French Open over Serena. And, of course, now she's beaten both of the Williams sisters at a major. So that's that's a pretty big statement to make. Um, You know, she's she's got that now. And I think that's got to be a huge relief um, just to kind of not have to keep answering those questions of can you back it up. Um, But I didn't see a lot of her final, but I saw the match coming into the final. And she just looked – very aggressive, very strong, um, very solid in really all of her shots, all of her playing. So she she was looking like she did when she played Serena in the final of the French Open, even prior.
0: Yeah, good call. And uh, one of the matches that stood out uh, for me with Muguruza's run was uh, a rematch, if you will, uh, playing Angie Kerber. Um, one of the best sets of women's tennis or any tennis that I ever saw, uh, Muguruza and Kerber played uh, an epic three-setter. Same court. They ended up on the same court, by the way, this time again. Court number two, uh, again, it was garbina Muguruza Getting through that match in Ker- against Kerber in the fourth round, then uh, another tough opponent, Kuznetsova, and as you mentioned, the semifinal win, uh, really easy, if you will, against Rivera Kova, who, who had a very nice run herself, but... I agree. Garbena finally got the monkey off her back, literally. Uh, hard to believe she was uh, down to 15 in the world after, after winning a major, but at the same point in time, uh, liked her chances uh, at Wimbledon, even though the hiccup at Eastbourne, that wasn't the ideal preparation. Obviously, she had played other grass court tournaments, but uh, was this a surprise, Karen, for you, the fact that she was able to flip the switch and, and get the job done at Wimbledon?
1: Um, I won't say a total surprise, but, you know, I definitely didn't have her in as the one. Um, you know, I I was actually thinking that Venus might pull it off. Um, but at the same time, you know, I, I was thinking about Eastbourne, Eastbourne, that maybe that loss was maybe a good wake-up call to her. Like, hey, um, <laughs> you know, you're out right away. You're heading into a major. Get your head into this or it's going to happen at Wimbledon, you know. So so maybe that got her even a little more motivated. She's one of those players, I think. And, and she said it herself, that her mood really affects things. And, you know, I've kind of seen her sometimes when she gets mad, actually mm-hmm. kind of step up and, and play a little better. So who knows, maybe that factored into it as well.
0: I know that she was not happy with uh, the way her – Roland Garros' campaign ended uh, losing a tough one to mm-hmm. Mladenovic, and boy, the the look on her face, she was not happy at all for, for several reasons, and uh, oh, maybe just had a chip on her shoulder coming into the next major, uh, if if that's what it took, or... As you mentioned, Karen, really maybe not dialed in. Uh, Eddie's born. It's like, okay, uh, next tournament's a, a pretty big one. I've had some success here a couple years ago. Very, very interesting, though, and uh, we'll see what she's able to do going forward. Uh, Venus Williams, second major of 2017, second major final. Uh, just a remarkable mm-hmm. run for Venus, who actually played fairly well at Roland Garros as well. But uh, wow, I. I you know the superlatives go on and on and uh Venus obviously having a couple of set points in that final and then boom it just uh Garbena just took it from her at that point uh, Venus just getting 12 points accomplished on the scoreboard in the second set but uh, let's let's talk a little bit about the overall run for Venus Williams six impeccable matches per se and mm-hmm. uh wow uh if she converts a set point to win the first set possibly looking at the champ
1: yeah, and I saw her match against Conta live at Wimbledon, and that was a, that was a tremendous match. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and as we know, you know, Conta's a fighter. Conta's aggressive, and she played a very strong match, um, but Venus just had it that day. Her serving was on, and she just, you know, she looked like the Venus of 10 years ago. Um yeah. You know, and we know she struggles with Sjogren's and that can zap her energy someday, so, you know, I don't don't know if that factored in at all. I didn't listen to pressers, but um, either way, I mean, 37 years old, doing amazing things still. Um, You know, she is now ranked number nine, so still in the top ten, and interestingly, uh, Serena is still in the top 20. She's at number 15, so... Something tells me Serena will be back before she even drops out of the top 20. But uh, anyway, mm-hmm. but but all accolades to Venus at this point, and you know, especially also dealing with some very difficult personal circumstances. Yes. Yeah.
0: Um. So yeah. All credit to Venus Williams. We'll, we'll watch her progress here uh, very quickly. The North American hardcourt. Uh, Underway, and I, I believe she's also playing an EXO in Atlanta against Jeannie Bouchard. Nice to see that uh, added to the mm-hmm. Atlanta schedule. And uh, you mentioned uh, beating Joe Conta, who uh, I thought competed very well, at least for the first set against Venus Williams. And I want to back up around, if you will, Karen, uh, the quarterfinals. Joe Kanta. Defeated Simona Holup. Uh Joe really fought well, lost the first set in a breaker, won the second set in a very tight breaker, and, and won a tight third set. Simona Holup, um again, lost the opportunity to become world number one a few weeks prior when she lost to Caroline Wozniacki. This time, as close as two points away, uh, should she have won that match, she would have been world number one. Again, didn't happen for her. Um, two-part question. First, we're going to talk a little bit about Joe Conta. Again, uh, you having uh, the chance to experience the match against Venus. But uh, I thought, really, she was in prime position uh, heading into the quarters to, to win the whole tournament. I, I had talked on British radio that I thought Conta was going to beat Muguruza in the final um, I, I thought she had what it took, and obviously she did not play poorly at all against Venus Williams, and that just shows how good Venus is playing. But I want to turn turn it back a little bit, uh, the Conta-Hollip match and uh, the fact that Joe Conta was able to fight her way through.
1: Yeah, well, you know, I mean, both Hallop and Conta are great fighters. Um, if I had just to look at momentum... I would actually think coming into this that Joe really has more momentum. It seems like Halop's had a string of disappointments lately, and even though you and I both know to, to be in a Roland Garros final is a great accomplishment, I think to those players that, you know, have really high expectations of themselves to come in second as a finalist is a disappointment. Um so I'm not sure, you know, I know, you know, she she has had some great accomplishments. I honestly don't know her highest ranking previously, but I don't think it's, you know, she's sitting at number two right now. Um, you know, I don't know. I, I think with Simona, a lot of it is attitude. Um, even though I know it's it's something that she seems to work on, I still see those facial expressions, the thigh slaps, mm-hmm. the air swings with the racket, you know. Uh, but then again, maybe it's where she needs to get it out. You know, it's hard to say. I'd love to talk to her about that and, and how that actually um, either she believes works for her or maybe works against her, you know. Um, so that's kind of what I, I see is I just, feel like coming into it, maybe Kanta had the mental upper hand, if you will, even though Simona has so much opportunity basically at her fingertips right now. Um, you know, she's not far off from number one with Pliskova up there. So it's going to be interesting to see as they, you know, move back into hard courts, how things play out, because certainly I think, well, I can't say that. Conta's played well on hard court. I mean, she won Stanford last year beating Venus. So, mm-hmm. I really, I don't know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think, I uh, just talking a little bit more about Simone Halep, uh, you know, one player that she's had all kinds of troubles with, 0-6 oh, lifetime, is Sharapova, who's not there. Mm-hmm. Serena, obviously, on the shelf. And, uh, boy, I think the window of opportunity is now for Halep, and um, I... I um, I'm wondering out loud right now if, if the appointment of Darren Cahill was was the right move. Um sure, she's very close knocking on the door of, of of not only winning majors but also the world number one. At the same point in time I and I've had some discussions with people that just don't see the feistiness, the fieriness, uh the attack mode, if you will, that she has had in the mm-hmm. past. I'm not sure if I completely agree with that, but um Want to get your thoughts? Is uh, you know, is do you think Darren Cahill is is the uh, is the right person to be working with Simona at this point in time? Um, and if not, who who might be?
1: Huh. Um, tough question. I and mean, you know, I I think there are definitely some very good points. I mean, you know, we've seen the conversation with him side of, you know. Hey, Simona, if you want to go down a negative place, I can't pull you back out, you know, in the Mm -hmm. middle of a match, right? Which I think in a way is what she needs to hear. Um, Strategy, technically, I'm not really sure. And whether or not he's the right coach or maybe whether she just needs some kind of change to shake things up. I mean, look what Joe Conta did last year. I mean, she had an extremely successful year, and then she turned around and changed her coach anyway. Um, just, I think, because she wanted to keep things fresh is what she said. So, you know, I, I'm not going to say he's the wrong coach for her, and, and in some ways I'm going to say I'm not qualified to say that, um, Yeah. you know, but I have my hunches about it, certainly, and my observations about her as a player and as a person. Um, you know, I don't know, but then at the same time, look at her results. She is knocking on number one and mm-hmm. hasn't been there before so um you know i think it's kind of hard to say and and then you know she's been on tour longer she's had more chronic injuries she's had more issues with her legs her legs are her game so if she doesn't have her legs she can't go out and fight uh so there's a lot of factors in there and, and i don't know that we can put all of that on darren's shoulders
0: Yep, good call. I like a very, very good uh, insight there, Karen. Appreciate that. And uh, Karolina Pliskova, the new world number one, but uh, you know, ousted very early at Wimbledon, uh,
1: mm-hmm.
0: lost to Ribera Kova, had won the first set, Karen, second-round match, and Ribera Kova, interesting story, was 2-9 lifetime come at Wimbledon and uh, parlayed that uh, – win to some other very nice wins and got all the way to the semifinals but uh yeah Pliskova I think uh, everybody felt that she would eventually get to world number one and might stay there for a little while. Um that said, uh a second round loss, uh it's almost like she backed into it. I know it's a rolling fifty two week a year ranking schedule, but uh yeah, not really the the Wimbledon results she wanted, but I think she's gonna turn it around and, on the US hard courts. But any thoughts on uh, Pliskova's uh, I guess we can call it a debacle at Wimbledon, losing uh, to uh, Roberta Kova early on.
1: Yeah, you, you know, I think that might also be one of those cases of maybe underestimating her opponent a little bit and um, her coming in with all the pressure. You know, like I said, it's it's one thing to be winning on your way up; it's another to to be up there and we have to maintain it and have everybody saying, oh, you're the one, you're the one, you're the one, and all the expectation. And and, and as I said, she's still young. So there's a lot of things to be learned during that phase, I think, of the career. And, you know, we look at Ostapenko, yeah, she's super young. She's being really successful. Um, I think mentally she's a bit of a different animal in that she's just super hungry, super confident, super fired up. And she's got her mother at her side. Mm-hmm. And I think that also makes a big difference for a young player being on the road. I remember talking with Nicole Gibbs um, kind of about her first experience being on the road and turning pro. And she said, I was terribly lonely that first year. Like, it mm-hmm. really it was when her father started traveling with her again that she – started to turn things around a bit and having more success because she just wasn't really happy being out there by herself. So sort of digressing there, but, you know, just some thoughts on the differences between them.
0: You know, it's interesting. And what you just said about, uh, her mother being with her that the, what, what that really reminded me of, I mean, we, we, I'm going to turn back the clock a little bit, but look at, let's go back and look at all the success that the Italians had in, in winning fed cup. And it was really a fun type of atmosphere, uh, with, mm-hmm. with, with the coach and, the the ladies all got along. I remember talking with, um, Roberto Vinci and Cincy last year and, uh, you know, I asked that question about the camaraderie and she got a huge smile on her face and they all like to play cards together and, and it Mm -hmm. all worked and that whole family concept. And so what, what better family concept of, uh, you know, a parent or parents themselves that, uh, that could, could very, really work well. Yeah, it is a lonely, uh, lonely sport, lonely at the top, if you will, for some, but, uh, uh, we we see entourages, but uh, that's all part of it, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, whatever whatever works totally. And um, you know, along those lines, um, Karen Ostapenko, I want to talk a little bit more about her because it's it's wow. The, uh, again, going back to the run she had at Roland Garros, but at the same point in time, very very nice run here at Wimbledon, and. Uh, she is certainly on everybody's radar will be will i think there's a very big intrigue factor right now that'll continue with ostapanko and all of a sudden people are going to be wondering you know where she is in the draw or even fans mm-hmm. uh all know who she is and have to check out what uh what she's made of because she's had some very nice results here obviously the last couple months
1: yeah she you know she's made a huge name for herself there's no doubt about it and Uh, you know, the attention is coming, but like I said, she's got that parental influence. I mean, look at Mm -hmm. Venus and Serena, you know, they had both of their parents there and Mm -hmm. they do talk a lot about their great family and how, you know, the love of their family, the support of their family makes all the difference for them. So um, Mm -hmm. I think it's a great thing, you know, if you can have your parent around and and that can be a working relationship um, both on and off the court, you know especially for a young person i 've thought about it myself. If I had a kid that was talented mm-hmm. at tennis, would I let them travel the world alone at sixteen or seventeen years old, or with some stranger that i don 't know that well right. i don 't think so <laughs> you know i you know I think it 's got to be awfully hard for a tennis player and a tennis player 's parent um, to to figure that out and make that decision and or find the right person that you truly trust to look after your Mm -hmm. kid on the road like that. And not just on the road, but in different countries, all over the world. Yep. You know? Yeah. Uh,
0: Good call. I I have one more question before I'll ask you for your recollections of, uh, (laughs) of, of this Wimbledon, but, uh, Angie Kerber, uh, again, this was the only player to actually win a set from the champion Garbina Muguruza. Um, Mm -hmm. and, uh, Angie is just a a big question mark or series of them at this point. Do you you think she's going to be able to uh to rebound uh and and do quite well in in on the hard
1: courts? I think it's possible. You know, I certainly don't see her as a, a game that is great on grass at least not yet. So um wouldn't expect this part of the season to be formidable for her. And, you know, she struggled all year, um, you know, won, won the U S open last year. So I've got to think that her and her team have got to be trying to sort of light that fire again and get, get her motivated and and excited. And, and, you know, I'm not saying she's not motivated, but you know what I mean? To, to that level. Uh if she's healthy and she's strong and, and she can be excited, then I, I think she has a shot. She's still sitting at number three. So, mm-hmm. you know, she. as much as, uh, you know, we want to talk about maybe this year being disappointing for her and realizing, yeah, the number three slot may even have more to do with inconsistency with the rest of the field, but she's still in there, you know, and if you're sitting at number mm-hmm. three, you've got to have hope. Um, that you, you know, can produce some really good tennis and, and possibly get yourself back to that top spot.
0: True, true. And um, before we switch over to the ATP, anything that uh, perhaps caught your eye uh, here at this Wimbledon or uh, anything else that, uh, you know, you saw at uh, some of the action you saw in, in Eastbourne or even, you know, on clay that, uh really paid dividends for the players uh, as they made their way into Wimbledon on, on, on the POS, uh, being able to play well, that maybe you saw some foundationary material there, or possibly someone that uh, had had done very well leading into it and just didn't get it done at Wimbledon.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, well, you know, let's go to doubles. I saw Heather Watson mm-hmm. play with her partner Continent uh, twice, and I got really lucky because I got a resale ticket that ended up being the front row stadium one or court one. Uh, And so, really got to see them up close live. And I got to tell you, that girl, she's got charisma. I hadn't really noticed it or maybe noticed it a little bit at Eastbourne. And, you know, maybe it's because she's at home and she's in London. But boy, just fired up, great reactions. fun banter and commentary with her partner on things and just you know she would win points and just there was just this exuberance in the moment when you know they would play a great shot or you know it'd be a back and forth 12 shot rally going the speed of light and all of a sudden they'd get the winner on it and you know she's jumping in the air Uh, so that was great to see and again I'm a big advocate as you know for doubles I really just wish more people would would give it the chance it deserves. But I will say both days that I was at court one watching her matches, the stadium was pretty full. So I was really nice. happy to see that. Yeah.
0: yeah. 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 No, that's a good report. And I, I still remember Watson's, uh, the, putting the scaring the daylights out of Serena Williams at Wimbledon a, a few years ago. That was uh, that was mm-hmm. a heck of a match and really had her on the ropes and uh obviously Serena survived a fight another day and, you know, ended up getting the job done. But yeah, I nice to see and I, I'm really grateful and appreciative to hear also, Karen, that uh the uh obviously that the, the stands were pretty full for, for that. That's wonderful yeah. and um yep. Uh
1: well uh, I-, I talked to some local folks too that just said they really see Heather enjoying tennis again and they thought that she'd gone through a couple of years where she sort of wasn't in, wasn't having as much fun out there and clearly she's having a blast now. So, um, sure. that, that's just good to see. You know, I think well, Conta was getting the spotlight. Everyone's talking about her, but even despite that it was doubles, you know, tons mm-hmm. of support out there for her. Um, funny story though this cute little fan who was a bruno suarez fan and he was a little confused because he was cheering for heather and bruno until his mother turned around and let him know heather wasn't playing with bruno oh boy (laughs) it was quite cute the crowd had a good chuckle about it so
0: sure no that's great we're going to switch over to the atp roger Federer. uh we've run out of Superlative say about him he's done may he manage to do something he he hasn't yet done in his career win Wimbledon without dropping a set uh Yep. Came close. Uh, one year, Rafa got the 21st set uh, before Fed got uh, the fourth set in the final, but uh, close call there. But Roger Federer, uh, it, sort of a little bit of a disappointing final. We'll talk about that, but uh, yeah. the body of work, if you will, for Fed. Uh, he just continues, you know, tough players in Burdich and Roundich on the way to the final and he he just mowed them down.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, look, he's, he's playing stellar tennis. He's completely in charge you know he has the um, ability to pick and choose what he's going to do now he's obviously being very strategic about what he's choosing to play and going after the the things where he has the best opportunity for success and and I think it's brilliant you know Um, look if we want these players to to keep going at the age they are it's the thing that's working I mean his story above anyone else this year is the story that speaks to players needing more time off, I think, yes, um, yes. across the board, you know? Um, and and I just think he's he's being brilliant, not only in his scheduling and the choices that he's making, but, you know, we talked a little bit back in March about Indian Wells, you know, and the things that I saw with him playing Rafa and really just, taking time away, taking time away and speeding up what he does. Um, And, and boy, that backhand is, (laughs) it was always great, but now it's, you know, he's found another level with it.
0: No. And, and, you know, I think he's laid a great blueprint with respect to taking time off and we'll see now, you know, how Andy Murray decides to proceed uh, with, with his health Djokovic really Mm -hmm. as well. Uh, You know, it's, Guys have to do what they have to do. And, Karen, just a curious question, uh, because, you know, for years now, uh, the criticism has come to the Williams sisters for, you know, again, selectively playing what they want. But uh, Mm -hmm. let's look at their ages and let's look at Rodgers now and perhaps – Federer did identify that, although, yeah, he had some ailments that so he had to, to rest up, and his age is what it is. And But, you mm-hmm. know, Serena and Venus have been doing this for a long time, and look look where they are. I mean, perhaps now right. that, uh, you know, Fed is doing this, uh, I think more people might give it a shot.
1: Yeah, well, you know, I think the other thing is the players that have already had significant achievements in their career and are at a point where – they know themselves, their games are well-developed. They don't really have anything to prove at this point, except maybe to prove to themselves that they can keep playing and going out there and playing well. So they do have a Liberty that some of the other players don't have. They're not struggling financially, let's face it. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, so they can take advantage of this opportunity. Um, you know, you can't blame them, right? I mean, and his fans, who doesn't want to see Roger and Rafa and Venus and Serena keep playing? Right. I right. certainly <laughs> I don't want it yeah. to end, but, uh, you know, it, it will at some point, and it'll be sad days for all of us, but then there's mm-hmm. some other amazing people coming up, thankfully. Uh, but, you know, it, it, it's been tremendous. Anytime I see any of those players, and I also include Andy and Novak in there now, um, I'm kind of going, this is a special moment, because I don't know how much more time I'm going to get to see these guys and gals. By the way, we have the big four again. Back is the big four. But But we do have the big four again. So, you know, who thought that was going to happen earlier this year as well?
0: No, good call, and I I think a lot of people. uh, We we really do need any time we see any of these big names play. uh, We don't know when uh, when they're going to decide to step aside. So I agree. It's it's Mm -hmm. uh, it's wonderful to see, especially at the level that they're all performing at at this point. And Karen, we talked uh, also when you were in England. Uh, some observations, Marin Chilich, Gilles Mueller, what a, what an incredible semifinal for the majority yeah. of it, but, uh, you know, we, we've talked about both these guys and, and what you were able to see and, uh, you know, even, the boy, the Gilles Mueller fight against Nadal, he just did not yield. And, you know, yep. when we look back at what he did earlier in the grass court, uh, uh, you know, leading into Wimbledon, I, it, you know... Rafa did not play poorly, and but he never no. had a lead in that match, and Gilles Mueller just outlasted him, I suppose.
1: Yeah, he sure did. And and a quick funny story on that. I was on a boat most of the day in Interlock, and so I get back. I walk by a bar. I see tennis on. Of course, I figure it's Nadal. I walk in. It's, I think, 7-all in the 5th. Oh. I said immediately, I need a beer now. <laughs> and sat down. Watched the rest of it basically next to a table that was, of course, rooting for Gilles because I was in the German part of Switzerland. Um, And, yeah, it was just stunning. You know, Rafa had a few opportunities. He didn't capitalize on those last few games, but he just couldn't. Uh, Gilles was serving extremely well, you know, playing aggressive, making great shots, um, you know, coming to net, all the things that... He needs to do, and in a lot of ways, I mean, his ranking isn't up there yet. It's his year. I mean, he, he's won his first title ever this year, and, you know, he's had tremendous success. Like we said, he played very well at Queens. Um, I think he's very confident, and because of what he said, too, about his kids and being away from his family, and he's he's very serious about using the time well. Uh, as is Roger now too. You know, I, I a lot of people talked about that clip of Roger seeing his sons courtside when he won, and he was, you know, in tears. And um, I think he said something to the effect of, you know, yeah, they just think it's a nice view. You know, they're <laughs> sitting there. You know, they don't quite get it, but I think for him, it's quite something special to look over and see his kids and especially now his young sons who are probably aware enough at their age, you know, to know that's dad out there. I and mean, he probably never thought he'd have kids seeing him still playing and, and right, n- right. even less so winning titles like Wimbledon, you know? Yeah. So Good call. Yeah.
0: yeah, along those lines, uh, we're going to switch to Federer's opponent in the final Marin Chilich, who uh, again, again, mm-hmm. um, I, I saw him play exceptionally well in person in Cincinnati last year. I even asked him, you know, one of the matches. I said, I that that was pretty flawless tennis. Uh, it looked like it was effortless. Mm-hmm. You played exceptionally well. Was was there? Do you, do you feel that this could have been the best tennis you've ever played? He paused and said, Yeah. And that was, uh, I believe, in the quarterfinals. And so we see what he's capable of. But uh, you also had that firsthand observation. At Queens, uh, Karen, Marin Cilic, uh, Mueller, mm-hmm. I, you know, they rematched again at Wimbledon. But you you were all over that. You really liked what you saw. What you saw. And, again, as you shared, it was it's a shame that uh, anybody had to lose a match. Uh, I think that was the Cilic-Lopez final that uh, yeah. you were referring to, that uh, obviously Marin was playing lights out there too.
1: Yeah, and, you know, I don't want to take anything away from Roger. I don't necessarily think the outcome would have been different, but I don't know if you guys saw his foot when they were taking it off for treatment, yes. um, but it was raw. And he actually said the statement of, I could literally feel the liquid from the blisters oozing oh, into my socks and into my shoes. Oh, boy. So if you remember, I started to get a blister walking around Europe that hurt pretty bad and basically decided to stop walking that day. Um, mm-hmm. Imagine, and he said it was like that when he started the match. So he was basically testing himself out in the warm-up, and he <laughs> knew he was compromised. And I think, A, the pain was there, but B, really messed up his head, said yep. he was really struggling to focus um, just because he was questioning his own ability. To, to get through it. So, sure. um, again, not taking anything away from Roger. Roger played exceptional. May not have been any difference in the final outcome, but I certainly think it would have been a better contest.
0: Mm-hmm. So. Good call. And um, American Sam Query uh, duplicates his quarterfinal run of last mm-hmm. year, even goes one better, Karen, getting to the semifinal taking out Andy Murray and uh, two years in a row now, Sam Querrey has beaten the top seed and number one player in the world at Wimbledon. That is no small feat. Uh, really yep. nice uh, for, for Sam. And obviously even took this first set from uh, Chilich in the semifinal before uh, Marin. That's how well he was playing. But wow, what a nice story for Sam Querrey and, and uh, uh, Andy Murray, all of a sudden, obviously a lot of question marks surrounding him.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Well, You know, we knew coming out of Queens that he had a hip issue, looked like he had worked through it some. Um, Maybe there's some motivational stuff there, too. Who knows? But, you know, yeah, Andy's questionable performance, questionable health. I think they definitely kind of go hand in hand. I mean, at that level, how do you step on the court and play your best Mm -hmm. if you don't trust your body? So
0: it's
1: kind of unfortunate, And, and, you know, Sam and Venus got to break everyone's hearts in London this year.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And um, I, I, the other member of the Big Four, as you mentioned, uh, it is the Big Four again in terms of the rankings, Novak Djokovic. Unfortunate with uh, the schedule he had to endure with uh, the long mm-hmm. day on court one and that uh, a lot of confusion. You know, did play, beat uh, Manorino, but then uh, obviously had to retire uh in his next match against Burdich, and uh, you know, mm-hmm. we still are wondering what's going on with Djokovic, but he did allude to the fact that Wimbledon, he's got the hunger back, and then, you know, uh, unfortunate that uh, the schedule worked out the way he, it did, but also I'm I'm wondering out loud, you know, what, what he might be carrying, uh, and ailments going in going forward, and, mm-hmm. you know, all of a sudden he's wondering what he's going to play for the rest of the year.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think he's had somewhat of some kind of chronic thing happening with his hitting arm. I've seen, you know, work on the shoulder. I've seen work on the forehand, work on the wrist in terms of, like, physio manipulation on the court several times. I want to say even starting as early as Australian Open this year. Um, You know, but the one thing I thought about today is all four of these guys, Murray, Nadell, Federer, and Djokovic, I think they all – have a shot at ending your run end at number 1. So, you know, that, that that's got to still be, you know, a high motivating factor for any of them. Uh, you know, if we look at all of the games, hard court is certainly a big surface success for Novak. Mm-hmm. Um You know, a lot of success at Indian Wells, success in Miami, obviously success at the U.S. Open, got the career slam. Um, So, you know, we'll we'll see. I I do still think Andre is a good pick for him. Mm -hmm. Uh, He wasn't with him at Eastbourne, but as I mentioned, too, I think Eastbourne was kind of like a lighthearted environment, and Novak seemed to be enjoying it, which, you know, I think that's the heart, right, if you're not – Loving what you do, performing well is more difficult. So excited to see what happens as we move towards the hard courts. And I think it's going to be very interesting to see what all four of these guys play in the next couple of weeks. I mean, we've got Atlanta, which, of course, I wouldn't expect any of them. But we've got D.C., Montreal, Cincy, which certainly I hope I will see you there. Uh, mm-hmm. In person, indeed, and then you know Winston Salem, and then finally U.S. Open. So um, keeping an eye out for you know the player entry lists and seeing who maybe pulls out or you know stays, whichever case that may be. But but I think with a lot at stake for year end number one, I would think these guys would you know be wanting to get their court time on there. But then again. Mm-hmm balance out the injury slash breast energy factor um, so hope to see them in Cincy though
0: <laughs> yeah good call and you, know, you, just, you said something and I, I, uh, I, I had to uh, I had to think about that for a second uh, yeah we're all focused on Djokovic and the fact that he retired but he 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 happened to win Eastbourne right before Wimbledon started. I think uh, you know, yeah. aside from the Djokovic fans, a lot of people may have forgotten about that just because of uh, you know we don't normally see him there and uh, we still had question marks. But he was he he won that. He was playing well. You mentioned he, he sure enjoyed did. himself and and uh, he was really you know you say the hunger is back. That's what a title will do for you. And uh, again. Uh, that could just be what fires him up if if he is not ailing to maybe go on a nice run. And Karen, you know, I don't think Federer has a single point to defend the rest of the way. I think Nadal has very little. Murray has everything to defend, and Djokovic yeah. is sort of in the middle. But uh, you're right. I think all four have a a, a really good shot at uh, at finishing at world number one. This is this is unreal in 2017.
1: Yeah, it's it's unreal and it's fabulous. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right yeah. And uh yeah. yeah, I will I actually will be in Cincy wire to wire, so yeah, it'll it'll always be good to see you, uh, Karen in Cincy. And before we wrap this show, anything else uh from the ATP that uh you'd like to comment on?
1: Um well, again we well, not just ATP we saw uh, Martina Hingis once again yep. capture yet yep. another title, this time with Britt Jamie Murray, so congratulations to them. Uh, And then the other thing I I was thinking about when you were talking about the Italian players from the ATP side, you know, I I see the Spanish players in a similar light, you know, back in the day when we had Nadal and Federer, sorry, it's not Federer, Nadal Ferrer, um, you know, Verdasco, Lopez, all of those guys, and they were kind of coined the Spanish Armada, you know, they had a lot of camaraderie and I, Kinda used to call them the band of brothers when I would watch because, you know, they would be in the draw and it's like, okay, where are all these guys? And you know, they they definitely, in terms of Davis Cup, had a lot of spirit and a lot of drive. And still to this day, you know, a lot of respect for each other. I remember Lopez uh, in his presser at Queens. Can't recall the question, but you know, he talked about Rafa and he was like, Rafa's just Rafa, <laughs> he's amazing. Yeah. Um, you know, so I think there's a lot to that, and you know, it's a single sport unless, of course, you're on the double side. But boy, if you can have some some camaraderie and some team spirit from your, you know, countrymen, countrywomen, I think it really does make a difference, like you mentioned, Vinci.
0: Sure, absolutely, and. Um... Karen, always a pleasure uh, to uh, talk tennis on Replay the Point, and uh, we'll look to uh, schedule the next show going forward, uh, looking at uh, the men wrapping up the grass court season at Newport. Uh, We've got a couple of women's tournaments going on uh, in Europe this week as well, and so uh, look forward to the next show. And so on behalf of Karen Health, this is Pete Zebron saying good night. We'll catch you next time on Replay the Point. Good (laughs) night.